Okay, praise God, huh? Do you ever just say that? We used to say it all the time. We just embarrass people by praising the Lord in public for no good reason. We were pretty radical. When we went out to eat at restaurants, we would sing the blessing. The doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Then we'd break into tongues. <laughs> and then we'd eat. And it would be very quiet. That's a great thing to do, though. I mean, come on. All these nervous Christians, scared they're going to get caught being a believer. It's all right. Hey, listen, pray for me. I'm going to eat lunch with Dr. Ben Carson today. How important am I? I mean, how cool is that? I just know somebody that knows somebody. You know how it goes. So anyway, I just had to tell somebody I was doing that, you know. <laughs> Do you know QCC did not change Shelley Volk? I'm sorry. Shelly Tackett. Shelly Volk, Scott Volk's dad, and I'm an old guy that I have these little pockets of confusion I sometimes fall into, but QCC did not change Shelly Tackett. What we have done was provide an atmosphere and an emphasis that enables people to meet God in a way that he changes them. That's it. We're not negative. We're, we're hope-filled. We're just trying to push people in the river of God. That's about it. And uh, we're just trying to describe God accurately through everything we think and do. And we're not perfect, but um, we've done, we've done uh, church the wrong way. We're trying to do it the right way. And part of our philosophy... Um, one of the reasons we don't have more outreach in the church is more people haven't reached out. And that's not a condemnation. It's just one of our philosophies is, I'm not going to do it. i got enough to do already. If you get sick, I'll probably send somebody to see you. That's my job. My job's not to do all that. My job's to get you to do it. And if you're not doing it, I'm failing my job, which means if I go do your job... I'm just enabling you to not do who you're called to be, right? Everybody good with that? That's called New Testament Christianity instead of that other stuff where, well, when I get sick, I want the pastor to come. You're in the wrong church. <laughs> now, I'm not really hard-nosed about that, but you get the drift. What are you doing? What are you doing? You just getting sick or you getting sick and praying for people because you need to be doing... At least praying for people. So anyway, I'm feeling a little feisty today, but I'll get over it. That was such a good interview. Wow. Wow. How many of you love Shelly? And Shelly's pastor. Hey! <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? No. Okay, here we go. Um, let's go to the overheads.
Are they overhead yet? Knowing the Father's approval, part three. Part one and part two, if they're not on the um, website, they shall be soon. So let me just um, give you a couple of uh, quotes from, actually, he's um, a Catholic priest. And I find awesome truth in many different persuasions of Christianity. But um, Jesus did not come to change the mind of God about humanity. Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God. Isn't that a great, a great quote? Let's read that out loud together. That needs to sink down in our being. Jesus did not come to change the mind of God about humanity. Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God. Come on. In closing, Honestly, if you get that, man, you're well on your way to a happy life. You know, I read all kind of terrible negative things that are going to happen in the United States. Any of you ever see that stuff? I don't care. I don't care. Bread lines, I don't care. People starving, I don't care. What do you mean you don't care? I mean, what? so what? What are you going to do? If every horrible thing's true, what are you going to do? You aren't going to do anything. Right? You're just going to be sad and miserable and spread that gloom everywhere. If America is in store for the worst days ever, I don't care. It's not changing me. I might lose weight. That'd be awesome. (laughs) But America is the way it is because people who know Jesus don't act like it. They act like all those scared people. Come on. You know that's right. So I'm not changing. I'm going to be hopelessly hope-filled. Because I know all the people that are negative, they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. They're not helping. They're not helping. Helping? No. (laughs) Hurting. Take that stuff somewhere else. Oh, you don't believe what the Bible says? Have you ever read that book? I do believe what the Bible says. I believe when there was um, a famine in Samaria where they were buying, you know, they were having Doug's dung sheephead stew, God delivered them supernaturally and miraculously. Where's that God? Why go to church and have a God that's not miraculous? That's stupid. Really? Have you read this book? Have you read the book? People that say they know Jesus and don't believe in miracles, that's crazy. Have you read the... Oh, that's gone out with... No, that's gone out with you. That ain't gone out with nobody. That's you. That's your problem. You got some weird theology. You got some weird theology to fortress your unbelief and inability to believe God. That's all that is. Bam. Smack. Come on. 80% of G, you know, I just want to be like Jesus. Yeah, okay. What did he do? 80% of his ministry was healing the sick. Come on. He did so many miraculous supernatural things. John said if they wrote every one of them down in a book, there wouldn't be a library big enough to hold all the books. 
And the thing is, he didn't do those things as God. He did them as a man. You got to believe that. That's the point. That's the whole point. He came to show us what a normal man was like. It doesn't let us off the hook at all. Man, man, the stuff we let go on, the sinfulness, the compromise. It's so, so sad when people live the wrong way and somehow think it's acceptable. I'll tell you what's acceptable. It's living like Jesus. But here's the wonderful thing. Even if you're living like the devil, God loves you and accepts you. And does that mean he approves of all this stuff? Of course not. Of course not. But it's the fact that he cares so profoundly and deeply about you. He is confident in his ability to show you who he is and that will change you. Not principles, not commandments, not do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts, principles and commandments only energize your wickedness. That's clearly what Paul teaches in the book of Romans. We think it's the way to holiness. No, it's the way out the door. Because here's what, ha what happens. If you're good at keeping that stuff, you're snarling and snapping at the people who can't and criticizing them and then opening the door to, your, uh, to a lack of grace in your own life. Now, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. There's one little small verse in there that says some are saved by fear. Some. Some. That's a small percentage. I really wonder sometimes how many people are really saved if it's about the goodness of God. Because there are not that many people sometimes that seem to believe in the goodness of God. They believe this other stuff. They believe in this cultural Christianity that's sort of mean. Be still, my heart. Okay. Everybody all right? I got a little edge to me today, but uh, it's okay. Hey, happy Valentine's Day, by the way. <laughs> We've been celebrating Valentine's Day since Friday. I bought my wife flowers on Friday and another woman. I bought another woman flowers for Valentine's Day because her husband died two years ago. And the Lord said, go take that woman flowers. Can you live like that? Are you open to hearing God that way? Come on. we got to be good to people. He was so good to me. The man that passed away was just so so good to me. that I, I, was, I said, hey, this is what your husband in heaven wants you to have today for Valentine's Day. And she said, you know what he used to do? I said, no. He used to say, honey, I want to buy you a dozen roses. Let's go to the grocery store. So they <laughs> go to the grocery store. And then he would send her in and she would buy roses and come back out. And he would say, <laughs> hey, that's better than nothing, right? And that, even that low level kind of love would convict some of you bozos in here. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> oh, man. You, David, you know that's good. You're enjoying that back there. I could tell you liked it. I know how to reach in there and twist the knobs and... uh Oh, Dickerman's on the front. Let's give it up. Dickerman's on the front row this morning. Come on. <laughs> oh, me. Okay, we got 28 minutes to tie this thing down. <laughs> Here's another quote. Most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves you so that you can change. 
It's the inherent experience of love that becomes the engine of change. Yeah. Let's read that together. Most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves you so that you can change. It's the inherent that becomes the engine of change. We're just talking about um, the Father's approval. I was talking about this fellow. Uh, it's Bob Jones. He was, he's this prophetic character. Passed away two years ago today. And he was really one of the most remarkable people I'd ever met in my life. And um, I didn't know something he told a friend of mine. But he told a friend of mine... The weekend he passed away, he said about me, he said, Robin is my son. But he said it in a way he wasn't saying that about everybody else who would hope he said it about them. I was telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. Now, you have no idea. First of all, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize he felt that way. But he did. And when I found out he felt that way, it changed my life. It made me reevaluate some things that happened in the past. It made me re- really reevaluate the things he and I would talk about. And um, I had two thoughts about that. The first thought is everyone is loved so much more than they know. You see, that's the point there. That's like a prophetic picture. I said, oh, wow, he really loved me that much? He would like count me as like part of his family. When, But what, what, my relationship with him, a lot of people sort of sucked up to him because he was famous or good or prophetic. And But I quit doing that like 15 years ago. I just started liking the guy. <laughs> You know, I wasn't after anything. I was just, I was, you know, I wasn't after. See, there's whole thing about prophetic people when some really prominent prophetic type character is passing off the scene. Everybody wants his mantle, you know. They think he can lay hands on you and make you a superhero. Well, I didn't even want that. I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it for love. You know what I'm saying? I was loving the guy. He was getting old. He was getting, you know, we would, several of us go over there every month and see him. But see, I never understood the way he felt about me. Well, see, that's a picture of so many of us. We, we haven't fully, and I don't know how you fully understand God's heart for you because it will change you. It will change you. And then I thought this, I thought about uh, the verse where it says, the Lord says, my thoughts towards you are as numerous as the sands of the sea. Well, that's, 
Do you really? What? See, in this situation, I'm talking about one man and one, one thought and what it did to me. What about this God? Was he thinking about you all the time? Eons ago, he already got through the bad stuff, right? What do you think he's thinking about you? If he's thinking about you that much. What do you think he's... Well, here's what he's thinking about you. He's thinking about his heart for you. But he's also thinking this. He's thinking about... <clears throat> who he called you to be and who he knows you really are, but you're not convinced. You know, when I think about um, young ladies and when young ladies uh, give up their, have sex with young men and they're not married, you know, I think about, you know, why do they do that? Or why to why to why do young guys um, start modeling certain behaviors? A lot of times it's because they simply don't know who they are. They just don't know, and so you don't you know you don't beat them half to death. You don't condemn them. You know, if beating people half to death and condemning them worked, I'd probably do it. But it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is because that's not the way God's made people to be. And so you can try to apply principles to people's lives to get them to change, but it doesn't change them. What changes them is when they begin to hear not what God expects out of them, but what God knows about them and who they are and, you know, what he has placed inside them. Have you ever taken that, um, like Dristan and some of these pills, you know, Mucinex, I read the other day, it, it lasts 12 hours. Do you know why it lasts 12 hours when you take one pill? It's because the pill has been constructed to release what it has at different times in your system, right? Yeah, Dristan, time release. You look at it and they got little yellow things and little red things and little white things. Well, the little white things dissolve in an hour and the yellow things in three hours and the red things in six. I don't know how that works, but something like that. Well, you have inside of you, in your spiritual, actually, actually you have inside your DNA gifts, callings, and destiny it's already in you that you don't even know you have. And some of it is time-released ability. And um, immature people want the full-blown package now. But, but the scripture says, and oh, this is so good, folks. Please connect with this. The scripture says an inheritance quickly gained will not be blessed in the end. And the picture is, do you know how many um, sweepstakes winners are broke within a year and really in worse shape than they ever were before they got the millions? It's because they haven't grown into handling the blessing. And some of us are not blessed yet at the place God has for us to be blessed yet because those blessings are time-released 
blessings connected to a maturity and a growth, growing into handling what God wants you to have because he really doesn't want you to blow it. Does that make sense? And so, so many people live subpar lives because they don't know who they are yet. And, and you need somebody or someone to tell you who you really are. We did this prophetic training yesterday and I put on the front of the, the training, go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we have relegated the preaching of the gospel to pounding the mud out of somebody over the four spiritual laws to get them to make a statement about being saved. But it's good news. And the good news is not just that God loved you so much he sent his son to die for you. That sort of opens the door. That sort of is a capacity release mechanism for you to begin to be more touched and filled with God so to touch that DNA, touch that destiny, touch that capacity and, and, and blow that thing into a full blown activity in your life. Now, But you need to hear what God thinks about you. And it's not the bad stuff. Hey, listen, everybody's a sinner. That's a given. Man, if you have to have that proven to you, you've got a rock-hard noggin, ladies and gentlemen. For all have sinned and fallen short of what? What, what is that? What do you mean fallen short of the glory of God? What, what could that possibly mean? Oh, the glory of God, the, the word glory there means weight or substance of God. And when we have sinned, we have begun to fall short of living the life that the power and presence and glory of God can release through us. Does that make sense? You've fallen short of the glory of God. What in the world? No, it means you're living Beneath your position. You're not a worm. You're like Cinderella. Man, you just got to find the pumpkin in the slipper. You know what I'm saying? You just, you just got to come into the right concept, right understanding. Listen, if you, if you think you're a hopeless loser, you're going to go behave as a hopeless loser. If you're a young lady and think the only thing I've got going is if I give myself to this guy, you're going to give yourself to that guy. That's all you are. That's who you are. That's what you do. That's understandable. But you're living way, way beneath your calling. And if you're a guy and you're taking, you're doing drugs and you're living poor, you're getting drunk, you're abusing yourself, you're taking advantage of, of young ladies or how are that things playing out in your life? It's because you don't know who you are yet. You know, I love the story about Alexander the Great. Um, I think he was in his 20s and he was a ruler of the known world. He had all the wealth in the world at his beck and call. He was regal. He was royal. He was a conqueror. He was a king. And a beggar asked him for a couple of copper coins and Alexander tells 
his, one of the guys that ran around with him, give the man gold. And the guy says, copper would do. He says, no, copper may do for him, but it won't do for me. I don't give based on people's need. I give based on who I am. Come on. We talk about raising money for this building. Give based on who you are. Don't even give them based on the need. You need to see who you are. And I don't mean just to squeeze an offering out of you. That's the, that's the smallest part of this life. But if you recognize that you have, by virtue of the new birth, royal blood in your veins, that you have a high calling. You're called a high school as a princess. You're called of the job, you're called of the job as a king or as a prince. You're, you're called to live worthy, worthy of your calling. And if you don't know what that worth is, it's the blood, it's the death of the Son of God, the most noble, righteous, honorable, joyful person ever, ever. Showed you your value when he gave his life. Come on. Come on. I'm not even calling you up. I'm telling you where you are. You don't know. Come on. I'm not going to call you up into something. Oh, we got to pull up. By. No, you got to know where you really are in God. It ain't even coming up. It's acknowledging. It's realizing. It's seeing who you are. God's heart for you. Because when you see God's heart for you, you don't see race. You don't see minority. You simply see other people who have the same calling on their lives that you have on yours. And you realize there's room at the trough for everyone. What does that mean? You stop being jealous. You stop I think of musicians. You stop being jealous over who wrote the best song. You're an artist. You stop being jealous over who painted the best picture. If you're a businessman, you stop being jealous over who wrote the biggest deal. If you're a preacher, you quit being jealous over who's got the biggest church, preaches the best message. There's room at the trough. There's room for everybody. And the way that kind of um, blessing is released is when everybody begins to see, instead of being jealous, you should encourage. Because we're drafting, ladies and gentlemen, we're drafting. This is Holy Ghost NASCAR. Find somebody going faster than you and run with them. Find somebody smarter than you, go hang out with them. Find somebody that writes better songs, go get with them. Find somebody that preaches better than you, go hang out with them. You're drafting. And when you do well, they do well. Come on. You know that. Come on. You know that's right. I haven't gotten to the scripture. I just got all wired up. I'm... But it is good. You know what I'm doing this morning? I'm preaching the gospel. That's all I'm doing. I'm not doing anything special. It's preaching the gospel. This is good news. I think good news should make you happy. How about you? I think good news should make you encouraged. How about you? Bad news? Not so much. Good news? Come on. 
So is the gospel you believe good news? How does it make you feel? Come on. I really did read this. I mentioned it last week. I saw it on Facebook. God, those Facebook people need to be like exploded, except for me. This person is into this thing about God didn't say anywhere that he wanted us to be happy. That is so stupid. Can you believe people would buy into that? That's like religion on steroids. If I'm not miserable, it must not be the Lord. Do you really believe that? That's crazy. You know, I, Christopher, I'm looking at Christopher back there. His family's been sick. He comes in the back and I say, hey, let's pray for Christopher. Here's my prayer. Lord, make Christopher miserable and afflict the rest of his family so they can somehow come into holiness of life. No, that's crazy. I want him happy. I want him to make a lot of money. Go on two-week vacation minimally every year. Drive new cars. Send his children to Harvard or someplace godly that's as good as Harvard. You know what I'm saying? That's what God, he wants that for his kids. My goodness, people say, oh, you know, that guy's sick. God's teaching him a lesson. That is crazy. Crazy. You can learn a lesson when you're sick, but don't blame that on God. Oh, oh, Christopher, come here, son. Yeah, you know, you're, you're sort of a knucklehead. You're four years old, and you don't know that uh, fire will burn you, so come here. I've turned the stove on, and the... The element's red hot. Let's stick your hand on there. <laughs> now, do you see how much that hurts, son? Please learn the lesson. They would put me in jail for being the way people think God is. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Heading back. Jesus did not come to change the mind of God about humanity. If you... If your definition and understanding of God comes from your experience, you made a serious mistake. Because everybody's got a terrible experience. Are you listening to, do you understand the of faith? Faith is to believe your way out of your experience. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. That's what faith is for. Faith is to protect you when things don't go your way or when things are confusing. That's what faith does. But it's strong enough to ultimately extract you from painful lifestyles that you are self-perpetuating. Come on, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus didn't come to change uh, God's mind about us. He came to change our mind about him. I think it's good sometimes when it gets quiet. A lot of times the Lord will start touching people. And how many of you felt the presence of the Lord at all this morning in here? You raise your hand. You know, he likes good preaching. But what I mean is, what is good preaching? You know, you talk about the devil, devil comes. You know that? You talk about negative things. You get a net, you get the pig pen anointing on your life. How many of you know who pig pen is in uh, Charlie Brown? 
He's that little nasty character that's got that dust cloud following him around with that nasty little blanket. See, that's like people that are negative. That's like people who don't have faith. You know what I'm saying? We need atmosphere changers. How do you change your atmosphere? How do you change your atmosphere? What are the key elements to changing an atmosphere? What you believe and what you say. What you believe, say that with me. What you believe and what you say. Because I'll tell you this, what you believe is going to come out of your mouth. And it, yeah, from the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, Lord, fill our hearts. Yeah, let's pray. We're going to sort of end early here, but I think Andy's going to come up and work you over about money. <laughs> Not really. I got zero worries, honestly. I could care less if we get this money or not. Because if we don't get it, I'll go do something else and you'll have to find another church. <laughs> Easy enough. No pressure. Nobody was here when we started. Mm. Yeah. Wow. You know, sometimes you, you don't even realize how much you need something, and then it comes to you and you get it, and then you realize how much better you are off, you know, than you were 30 minutes ago. And man, I just, let's just take a minute here. I don't know, man. I just feel like the Lord was moving over there when I was sitting there listening to what Robin was saying. So I, I'm reluctant to move on real quick. Can we take 30 seconds? Lord, I thank you for your heart towards us, for your heart for us, God. And Lord, I just want to repent of any theology that I've been carrying around that has been built on unbelief, Lord. We just, we do that, Lord, together as a church. Lord, we just ask you to make us a people of faith, of hope, of faithfulness, of joy, of righteousness. Lord, we know that you can do that with us. And we just say, yes, Lord. We just say yes to all of that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There is a passage in the book, the Gospel of Mark. <clears throat> I believe it's in Mark chapter 4. There's a story. Many of you know it. It's the, it's the story of the widow's might. And Jesus is in the temple. And he's observing all of this money giving. And uh, in turn, he says something to his disciples. And there's a, there's a lesson that Jesus is trying to get to his people at that point. But um, for me personally, I was thinking about that story today. And uh, here, here's why it's important for me personally. We are in week two of a six-week giving campaign. 
where we're going to be talking about money. And uh, since I get to do part of that, I get a little bit of ner- nervous about that at times. Um, because, you know, historically in the church, you know, it's, it's a touchy subject. But interestingly enough, in this, in this passage in the book of Mark, it says this. People were in the temple and they were giving money where people give money. And Jesus sat down right, th- right where they were giving the money and was looking at what they were giving. It says that in the Bible. Jesus was watching them give their money. And then it says, and after he watched them give their money, he turned around and talked to his disciples about how much money they were giving. Man, that's just breaking all of the nice church rules, isn't it? So I'm just going to take a cue from Jesus this morning and uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about giving money. So um, hopefully we have some ushers on hand. We've got, we've got this envelope. It's, it's titled Home. Home is the name of our campaign. The theme is we really believe this. We believe God has a place for us. And uh, hey, some good news. Last week in our building offering, we raised $15,000. Come on. Come on. So we, we got 10% of the way in one week and we, we, we're just going to keep going for it. So, uh, if you don't have one of these envelopes, raise your hand right now. Just put your hand up and these guys are going to come by. They're going to give you one. You might not even have money to put in it right now, but that's okay. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you don't have money to put in it today, I'm going to ask you to take this home with you. I found a few of these on the ground after last week, and I'm not going to lie. That discouraged me a little bit because me and Shelly worked really long and hard on these envelopes. So, <laughs> But... It, but take it home. If you don't have money today, pray and ask the Lord what he would have you sow into the ministry of Queen City Church. Because we really believe that God has given us a mission and it's a worthwhile mission. And we believe that what we're carrying as a church is so good, we want as many people to be a part of it as God wants. Amen? So... There's a, there's a portion that you can fill out credit card information. You can put a check in there. You can put out, put whatever you want in there. You can put pennies in there. We'll take it all. So, um, why don't we stand up together? We're going to close out with, with just a simple prayer of Thanksgiving. The ushers will be in the back with the buckets. If you want to just drop this in, you can even, you know, if you want, you can fill it out with the amount that you want to give later and you can drop it in. So let's, why don't we just hold these envelopes up. Let's do this together and just thank the Lord for what he's doing. Father, what a great day. What an incredible time with you. What an incredible time with your people. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're healing. We thank you that you're restoring lives. We thank you that you're teaching us your ways, how to be fully human in the earth today, just like you were, Father. And Lord, we just want to offer this this offering to you because we know that you're building a house for us and we want to be a part of it. Thank you for inviting us into it, Lord. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So just put this in the bucket as you're traveling out. Have a blessed week. Have a great day, guys.